Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, grow you as a disciple, and help you serve His purpose. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Give me a wave if you don't know me. You have never heard me before. You haven't seen me. Lovely to meet you. As you've heard, the pastor here loves me, so should you. There you go. That's, that's the bottom line. I want to, I just, myself just want to welcome my brothers and sister pastors that are here tonight. Um, you know what I love about C3? We've got great camaraderie. We really do. I, in my travelling over the years, you know, I've experienced a lot of different uh, movements and church expressions, but one thing we've got, we really do have great camaraderie. You know, it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be a part of this great uh, church family. You know, we've got a great tribe, but the Lord's been speaking to me about the difference between, um, like, the formation of tribe and, and the connection and community of tribe uh, versus tribalism, right? And being tribal. And the Lord has said to me, you know, be affiliated, but be careful that you're not tribal, which is when we elevate our tribe over others. And um, it's very tempting, though, not to, isn't it? Because we're such a great bunch of people. But that's what, uh, (laughs) that's just, I'm going to be throwing out all sorts of stuff to you tonight. uh, This is my first ministry trip of the year. Um, Yes. 2023 threw a bit of a curveball at me. Late in 2022, I went to Perth. For Christmas, was going to be our first family Christmas since the borders opened post-COVID. And um, on December the 17th, my mum had a fall and broke her hip. And so she's in her 80s. And so for the last, uh, she had a few months in hospital and I've been there ever since. I went there for Christmas and I haven't been back to Sydney. And and so uh, as I warned Monash this morning, you're going to have the full force of my seven months of pent-up prophetic frustration. So we may go all over the place. I felt very, I felt very unfit this morning. I've just got to say, I went back to the hotel. I slept like, like I was knackered, mate. I've come off the bench with no preseason training, and I was exhausted. So, Hannah Mashanda, thank you, Lord, right now. I thank you, Father, that your word is alive, living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you for the open heaven here tonight. I thank you for open hearts. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here in our midst. And Holy Spirit, I ask you, as I always have, have your way and have your say in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'll drink to that. I want to share a vision that I had actually 12 months ago. And in this vision, it was actually a vision of my pastor, Alex Lee. I'm sure he doesn't mind me sharing this because I felt it. He looks so much like Jesus. Anyone who I'm talking about? All right. He looks so much like Jesus that I felt at the time that the vision was for the church and he was sort of representative. And in this, he was, he was all, all set up like this to, to waltz, to have a dance with the Lord Jesus. So Jesus was standing in front of him and he, he came and he grabbed the, the Lord's hand and, and getting ready to, to dance. And as they, as they started, um, he was, so Pastor, Pastor Alex was uh, trying to do the steps and, 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 oh, and he was stepping a bit on Jesus' feet and um, really trying hard. 
give him his credit. He was really trying to do the right thing. And in the end, Jesus stopped and he uttered these words. Let me lead. Let me lead. I feel the Lord wants to declare to us tonight, to this region, let me lead. It reminded me when I was a little girl, my uncle, Uncle Rocco, Uncle Rock, call him for short, he was a dance instructor at the local Arthur Marshall School of Dancing. I think that was his name, Arthur Marshall. Anyone? Was it just a Perth place? And um, and anyway, sorry, Arthur Murray. There you go, Arthur Murray School of Dance. So Uncle Rock could dance is what I'm saying. He knew his moves. And I'd look forward to family weddings, family occasions when they would have, you know, dancing at the end. And Uncle Rock would, would take me for a dance. And honestly, for that night and that night only, I could dance. I don't know how I did it. The feet just went in the right place. And it was a breeze. I think in hindsight, I might have actually had my feet on his feet. I think that's what I might have done. But he would just waltz me around the, the dance floor because I let him lead. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 20. It says, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. So this was the time, the very, very first recorded time of Jesus calling, calling men to be his disciples. These were the first, Peter and Andrew. And his words to them, his directive to them was this, come follow me. Come follow me. That was the first call at the first meeting with no negotiation, no explanation, right? No elaboration. The same thing happened. Remember when he called James and John, he uttered the same words, come follow me. And I believe the Lord wants to remind us that our calling first and foremost is to come follow me. That you, today, tonight, believer in the Lord Jesus, that you are called to be a follower. A follower of Jesus. And he's saying to us all afresh tonight, come, follow me. And I, I find it mind-blowing. Now, I don't know about you, but when I came to the Lord Jesus in 1980, I was, uh, I was still a teenager been brought up in an Italian Catholic home. But when I got the revelation of Jesus, I mean, I'd seen Jesus on the cross every day of my school education. Um, and, and, and when I was very young in church, but as I'd got older and, and the family weren't going to church anymore, and we weren't even Christmas and Easter Catholics. It just became weddings and funerals, right? That were the only time we went into a church. But I mean, I had seen Jesus on the cross. I'd heard about him, but I had never, ever made the connection that Jesus actually brought life. I'd been looking for life 
and trying all sorts of different spiritual things, to be honest, in the lead up to that moment. But I knew that when I made that decision to come follow him, that there would be a cost. To be honest, I didn't realise how great a cost because my, my father became very religious when I actually came to Jesus. I didn't think it was going to matter, but the fact that I started going to another church, some of you might relate to this story, the fact that I left the Catholic church, I'm thinking I didn't leave, I was never there really, but I left the Catholic church. My dad didn't talk to me, didn't talk to me at all for 12 months, living in the same house, hardly talked to me for five years, and he was so embarrassed and so ashamed. He felt like I had, you know, bought the family, you know, sort of somehow like I'd brought shame on the family and took him about 10 years to get used to the fact that it wasn't going away. And, and, and you know, I paid, I, I, I did, I paid a price in those early days, especially to follow Heavenly Father, as much as I loved Earthly Father and so wanted his approval, that the approval of my Heavenly Father was, was most important. But, but I had some examples that had gone before me, right? I'd had examples in the Word of God of those who had left everything to follow Jesus. Not these guys. They didn't. They couldn't read, you know, the stories of the, 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 the heroes of faith who'd gone before them in following Jesus. They were the first, you know, they couldn't pick up autobiographies. I used to devour Christian autobiographies and Corrie Ten Boom's autobiography, Tramp for the Lord, I think I read it at least, at, oh, at least 20 times. Um, but they didn't. And I find that mind-blowing. What caused them to leave everything? They left their fishing business. They left life as, they'd know, as they had known it, just to follow someone They'd met for the first time. I just have, have considered that so much. I believe I may have come across part of the explanation. John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow follow me. I believe they followed because they heard. They followed because they heard. They heard the voice of the shepherd. The hearing comes before the following. There is no following without hearing. Can I say this? As someone who has traveled for many years, gone to many, many different churches, talked to many, many different pastors, there's hardly a pastor that I've met who's not looking for some, some silver bullet of discipleship program. What's the secret sauce? What is the, what is, you know, what is it? What program of discipleship? How can we best disciple our people? I believe there is no discipleship without empowering people to hear from God without releasing people to hear God's voice. It's a God-given right of a sheep to hear. And there is no following. Disciples follow. Yes, disciples follow. 
Peter and Andrew, James and John left it all and followed Jesus. That's who we want to raise up. That's what we've been called to do is to raise up disciples for Jesus. Go, for, go into the nations and make disciples, right? And I believe this is the secret source. I believe this is the silver bullet. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow. The hearing and the following are connected. They're not two separate things. And so the, the, the voice of God isn't the cherry on the cake. It's the cake. Because there's no relationship without hearing his voice. Incidentally, you all hear his voice. If you've given your life to Jesus, give me a wave. Right? Yep, you qualify. This is talking about you. And so hearing the voice of God isn't like an added extra. It's not just, you know, it, and it's not for people who are really spiritual either. Okay? It's not a reward for people who fast and pray a lot. It's not just for prophetic people. It's not just for prophets. It's sheep. Doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, how old you are, even how long you've been a Christian. It's a part of the salvation package. Right? So when you gave your life to Jesus, right, uh, you opened your heart, whichever way it happened, wherever it happened, surrendered to him, and boom, in that moment, the Holy Spirit, bam, came into your spirit, and then you relocated. You went from death to life, from darkness to light, according to, I can't remember, it's been a while, 1 Corinthians, I don't know if it's six seventeen. anyway, he who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with God. You can Google that and find out where it really is. He who joins himself or herself to the Lord is one spirit with God. So at that point, you're one spirit with God. It's not God up there from a distance. Like he's not a long, long way away. You're down here. He's up there. And that we need these intermediaries, right? It's like sometimes people look, those in ministry, like we're the ones who's sort of a little bit closer to God, and we go up like Moses up the mountain and hear from God for you and come down. No, we're here to empower you to hear from God, and, 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 and we have the mind of Christ, right? We, not just me, we. That's why it's important to be in community because I know that we can miss it. I'm not saying we can't miss it. The greatest deception of all is that you can't be deceived. Because I know, I, man, before I got married, before I got married to my tall, dark and handsome Damien, I mean, I think I heard from God at least from memory two or three times that someone else was the one. True. Um, and, and there was so a couple of them, you know, I'm really grateful that they weren't the one, to be honest. <laughs> you know, there was one at the time I was heartbroken. I was in this relationship and I remember this prophet preaching and prophesied over me and I was in this relationship this lovely American guy and um, I would have been in my 20s and he prophesied that the man God's got for you is connected to ministry and yada 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 and the next day the guy broke it off I can understand why some people have issue with prophets you know you get a word like that and you know <laughs> right but I say all that to say people Pay for me to fly from one end of the world to the other because I hear from God. And even I've missed it. Especially for myself, can I say. It's usually... But that's why we need each other. 
And do you know what? What you hear, like what we hear from God is actually not as important as our relationship with God. It's an important part of it. But when we miss it, it shouldn't cause our whole relationship and trust in him to unravel. And some of you here tonight, I'm going a little bit off script, but there's some of you here tonight and you're afraid of missing it. It's like you're afraid of, you know, you, 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 you get direction from the Lord. God's put something on your heart. He's called you like he called the disciples to come and follow. It's like you need a thousand confirmations because you're afraid of, you know, making a step wrong. You, but it's not a perfect science. It's, it's not like you're in and out of the will of God. Oh, I hear him and, 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 it's, and I'm 100% certain. You'll never be 100% certain. Ever. Ever. There has to be an element of doubt or there's no risk. I mean, I've had times that I'm, you know, pretty flippant. You know, I've, I've got something in there. But, but if I'm wrong, but if I'm wrong, I stand to be corrected. And in the end, God is more, God is more pleased by you making a mistake in faith than you holding back in fear. Yeah. That must be the best thing I've said all night. That got a great response, didn't it? You know, some of you will be familiar with a vision I had of a Rubik's Cube back in 2017. That's how long ago it was now. It was 2017. And I really started sharing it more probably publicly early 2018, but uh, in this picture I saw Jesus and he had a ruby. And he told me that it was the church and there was a new wineskin coming and to ask my people, are they willing to relinquish control? That was, that was like 2018, I was declaring it. And then when COVID hit and everything... Phew, we all remember that. We try not to remember, but I don't have to, you know, I don't have to describe any of that. You were there. Uh, the Lord said to me, the Rubik's Cube has commenced. And, and at the time, I was thinking a lot in terms of like, because um, by the way, so you know, Jesus messed up the Rubik's Cube in that vision. He didn't solve it. He did the reverse. He messed it up. And then at the end, he went, eh, eh, eh. so when he finished with it, it wasn't even a cube anymore. And I felt like that's what he was going to do with us. But I'm, I'm actually seeing that, that vision speaks to me, still speaks to me. And there has been ongoing revelation from that vision. But I feel like it also represents us. Like us and what we think and what we believe and how we've lived our lives as Christians and uh, I have another, tonight I was in two minds. I, I, I've got this message and I've got another one I'm preaching. I, was, uh, I preached at Easter called The Two Shakings. And I've noticed in the New Testament, there's, there's some key moments where the praise and worship of the people led to a shaking. Where the prayers of the people led to a shaking. You have a look at Paul and Silas praising God. And then, oh, it's a violent earthquake. And things, but things were disrupted in order to set them free. Right? I believe that's what's happening to us, the church. 
there's been some really big shifts. I mean, that whole COVID thing was very, it was like seismic, right? It was seismic. But, but I'm just seeing like the foundations being broken up, things being open, chains being loosed. Because as a result of that, if you remember, prisoners got set free, the prison guard got saved, some stuff, some stuff went down, some good stuff, as a result of what could have been, was probably frightening at the time. And so I feel like there's some things God wants to shift in terms of our paradigms. In terms of our, even as I preached at length on that this morning at C3 Monash, and I just feel to encourage each and every one of us here tonight just to be open, open to, to some new ideas. I'm reminded at times throughout history where, where reformers saw something in the word of God that jumped out and was understood in a brand new way. It's going to happen. We're in that era where there's going to be... Th- I can't believe I never saw that before. I can't believe I've got, I've, have we got it wrong? Because there's a deluge of revelation coming. It's like a waterfall. Had this vision a few months back of this waterfall and I heard it. It was crashing. It was so powerful. And the Lord said there's a deluge, a downpour of revelation coming. And that's exciting. Because our response to that revelation is going to cause a reformation. Where things are going to be different. But I believe this is the heart of it. That we are called to be followers. So if you're his sheep, you hear his voice. Not potentially. Not maybe. Not if you're a good boy or girl. Not if you read your Bible in a year. Not, not, not if you're in full-time ministry. You hear his voice. Maybe you just don't recognise it. Some of you are hearing his voice, but you don't really think it's you. You're praying, praying, praying for direction, and you get a God thought, and you're thinking, is that him or is that me? Is that him or is that me? You know, it must be me. What makes you think you're so smart? <laughs> hey, you've been praying. You've been praying for revelation, you're praying for direction. Speak to me, speak to me, speak to me. He speaks to you, and then you oh, it must be me. So have you ever considered this? Back to the disciples. They received the word, come follow me, from Jesus, the word of God. He's the word. He's the word made flesh, right? John chapter 1 talks about he's the, he's the word made flesh, dwelt amongst us. And then he gave them a word. And so they heard a word from the word. And so I was taught a word from the word is a rhema. So that come follow me wasn't just some random bloke giving him a direction. That, those words were spirit and life. You can start to understand now how that, those words directed them, changed their course, were rat, this rat, made such a radical impact on their future. On their destiny unleashed. And that's what happens when you receive a word from the word. It can totally, totally change your direction, your destiny. 
Some of you tonight, God's going to get you unstuck from, from where you, you're finding yourself in this holding pattern. There's some of you here and you're just frustrated and you're stuck and you feel like you're in a wilderness. The Word is going to come from the Word. He's going to call. He's going to speak. And those words are going to release something inside of your spirit that's going to cause a momentum, that's going to cause an unlocking, that's going to cause you to, to momentum in order to go forward in Jesus' name. So now let me just speak from my heart. I'm amongst friends, aren't I? I think I need a stronger drink, actually. Let me have a drink. You know, for, for at least a couple of decades now, we've had a big focus on leadership in the church. Not just, I'm not just saying, you know, in the church is represented here, but in the, for the most part, the contemporary spirit-filled churches in Australia really leaned in to the gift of leadership. And so we've had leadership training, leadership conferences, a lot of leadership books, leadership podcasts, which is great for leaders. Great for leaders. But in Romans 12, leadership's only one of the seven gifts, right, of the motivational gifts of, of, uh, of the Romans 12. I actually believe, for those of you who are interested, I believe Romans 12, to my pastor friends, I believe Romans 12 is a very prophetic passage. Also, I believe 1 Corinthians 12 is very prophetic. It talks about the body. Ephesians 4 is very prophetic. The, the body is made up of different parts. Different parts. The Apostle Paul went to great lengths to, to explain the revelation of the church as a body and that we're all different parts, made of many various different parts. We're not all the same. And he said, don't try to make everyone an ear. Don't try to make everyone an eye. Wouldn't it be stupid if we all were, if a body was an ear and a body, right? But that's essentially the, has been, I, I believe, uh, something that we've fallen, fallen prey to. That we, we need this one gift. I believe the time, in, and it's not been a bad thing. Leaders have had some great training. If you're a leader... There's no excuse for you not to have been activated, released, equipped. This has been, that has been your era. You should be ready. If you've got a legit Romans 12 leadership gift. You know what I'm talking about? The difference is, you know, there's giving, there's in, in exhortation, there's mercy, there's uh, serving. And there's another thing, hey? There are people who are more wired to serve in a practical way than others. Not us prophetic people. We serve and we love people, but differently. And we've kind of been seen as a little bit irrelevant in the last 20 or so years because we don't fit necessarily the leader or the server. Right? I don't know if there's anybody else here tonight who might kind of relate and they feel, where do I fit? Where do I fit? And you've tried maybe to fit into one of those two categories because it's very been kind of a bit binary. It's like leader, server, leader, server. That's great for those two gifts, but there's five others. Where do we fit into the scheme of things? I believe God's going to, it's, it's a time to start placing value on these parts of the body that have been overlooked. God is, he's going to draw attention. You know, the, in 1 Corinthians 12, I think, is it where Paul talks, or is it in Romans, he talks about you know, some parts of the body, you know, they're not very, not very sexy. That's not his language, that's my paraphrase. 
I think he calls them the unseemly parts, but they're so important. So there are some parts of the body that you don't even see. You don't, you don't, you don't see. And so it's the same with the body of Christ. And I see the Lord, I just see right now, it's like the finger. He's going to start pointing them out. Okay, what about this part? What about this person? And, and, and what about this function? And, and, you know, and he's going to bring the whole body, the whole body into function. But you know what? That aside, we are all followers. I think the pendulum needs to swing. Okay, so it's been this leadership emphasis. I believe it needs to swing a bit more back to followers. Right? Followership. How about a bit of followership? I don't know if anyone has used that term before. Probably. Nothing new under the sun. So many times I think I've invented something and I look on here and somebody's already got it. Someone's already done it. How about some follow? Wouldn't that be cool? You're follow- we're, all, we're kind of on a level playing field, right? I hate this kind of... It's not... I know I'm not against authority or structure, please, just for the record. But but you don't need, like, I'm not your high priest. Pastor Mel's not your high priest. You know, Melly here and Nick and Tam and Jane, they're not your high priests. Mike Mike and Sarah, they're not your high priests. They're not in between. They're not mediators in between you and the Father. Jesus is. And we all stand together as followers. Right? And we have function to release and to activate and empower. Right? And, 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 to, and to see the call of God, what's intrinsic in your life. The Lord also said to me, it needs to be a, a return to the intrinsic. What is it that God has already placed in you? To be honest, I don't need to train you up in stuff God's already put in you that you're already graced for. Hey, I just need to do, do, do some, put some things in place to activate that. Right? To release that. What is, I pray that each and every one of you will have a God encounter where you will be faced with who you really are and what you have and the value that you carry and the worth that you have on the inside of you and the treasure that you carry in the earthen vessel that you are, which is unique amongst each and every one of us. I love looking at my pastor buddies on the front here. Each and every one of them, different, unique, bringing something just tailor-made by God, graced for the people, for the sheep that each one of you shepherd. Well, I'm different. I can't do what they do. There's no way. In fact, I was told by my pastor, I won't name the church. It's not, it's not a C3 one, so you know, but another lifetime where um, I was in another church and I was sat down in the office. I was the women's pastor in that church and I was told, you're not a pastor. And I'm thinking, tell me something I don't know. And you made me, you're the one who asked me to do it. I'm just doing it. I know I'm not a pastor. But when we get in alignment with the grace that God has put on, on us. So we are called to be, have the worship team return. We are called to be first and foremost followers. Followers of Jesus. Not to follow him or her, this or that. Not following Apollos or Paul. But Jesus. What have you been following? Who have you been following? There's one more, there's one more, part, one more part to this vision. I'll just finish with, with, with this thought. Because in this vision, as Pastor Al started to dance with Jesus, like he was um, you know, get, finding, find, find, letting Jesus lead and getting the moves, 
Uh, but he kept looking. He kept looking at his feet, as you do. Anyone else tried to dance, right? And he kept looking at, at, at his feet, right? Didn't want to get the steps wrong. And it reminded me of, of, my, own, of my own wedding. This is hilarious. So for the, the bridal waltz, right? That's an important part of the, the, this, the reception. And I was really look, I was looking forward to it. And I was happy just to do, you know, just a two-feet shuffle and just, you know, wrap my arms around my, my husband. And, but no, not my husband, Damien. If we were going to do it, it had to be choreographed. Can you imagine? I think as if I don't have enough stress it is, as it is. It was, it was like two weeks out. And he wanted it to be like Dancing with the Stars. That's... And we had a boring dancing teacher at our church who, because uh, it, was, it was not negotiable. My husband's generally easygoing, but there are some things he's just not negotiable about. And this was one of them. If you want us to do bridal dance, it's going to have to be choreographed. Oh, my gosh. So we got, that's what we did. We got it choreographed and... It was so hard. Oh, my gosh. It was so stressful. The preparation, right? Learning all these moves and this and that and all this sort of palaver. Can you see I really enjoyed it? And, but during that, I was the same. I'd have my eyes on my feet. And, and Daniel, the instructor, said to me, Vicky, it's not actually about the steps. It's a dance. I don't want you looking at the feet, I want you looking at his face. And in this vision I had, the Lord Jesus said to Pastor Al, don't look at your feet, look at my face. And I feel that's what the Lord would finish with tonight. There's part of this divine dance that he's calling us into, back to first love, back to following him, 2 Corinthians 11.3, the Apostle Paul said, I'm afraid that even as the serpent beguiled Eve by his cunning, your minds may be corrupted and led away from the simplicity of your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. That's what he's, that's what he's calling us back to. The simplicity. It's got to, it, it, got, it got so hard. It all got very complex. So many things you had to do and, you know, this, that. We're called, being called back to simplicity of sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Not overthinking the steps. Not overthinking, am I getting this right or wrong? But being, following his voice. Following his voice. Encountering his face. Getting to know Jesus again. And there are some of you here and you've been born again for years, but I hear the Lord saying you're going to get born again again. Born again again. Something happening in your spirits afresh. Bringing us back. Bringing us back to an intimacy with God, like really knowing God. Some of you have lost some stuff. Honestly, I look and I think, I think I've lost some stuff. I've lost something of that, of that simplicity of pure devotion to Christ. You know, I'm going to ask the worship team to, to, to lead us again. 
Because I feel like we need, we need to surrender afresh. Surrender afresh. The, fir- the, first, the first part of that, of that vision, let me lead. Let me lead. Let me lead. What is it in your life that you might be trying to control? I pray right now for the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Illumination of the Holy Spirit. What is it in your life that you haven't trusted? Haven't trusted God with? You haven't let go of? And I believe a spirit of revelation is going to be released in our midst. And some of you tonight, you're just going to get some clarity. Some clarity about this dance. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au.